Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt and Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Hello, folks. My name is Timothy Harvey, and this is the H2O Podcast. Uh, Mr. Hunt is over at the board, headed this way, because we did not have sound, which is kind of important in the podcast format. It, it, is, it is one of those things where uh, it, is a, it is a critical element of the show for people to be able to hear us or um, something. If it, is, if it is a podcast you can't hear... yeah. Um, what, is, what do they call that? Um, well, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's probably not very, very, very much different from the podcast nobody listens to. No, well, yeah. <laughs> um, and 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 there's a story there. Um, I, iTunes. Yeah, which is going away, by the way, folks. It, it is going away. It's being replaced by three different apps, which currently are already available to uh, I, uh, iPhone users and iPad users. Now, somebody like me who has a uh, an iMac does not currently have access to these particular apps. Oh, we got to do the sponsor thing, and I got to go over there for that. So, um, so we will. We yeah. <laughs> sure. <clears throat> so let them know what they can get. <laughs> Set of Ginsu knives. No, um, actually, I don't know. I'm sure superhero stuff does, in fact, have some sort of knife pointy thing that they are selling. Um, SuperheroStuff.com is the sponsor of this program, and there's several other programs uh, on Sci-Fi for Me Radio and Sci-Fi for Me TV, and they are a fine purveyor of superhero and genre things, so if you happen to be a Marvel or DC Universe fan, or Star Wars, Star Trek, Doctor Who, uh, they've got fantastic things for you there, and you definitely want to check it out, uh, we, we love those folks, and they offer a discount to our viewers and listeners. Super, uh, Sci-Fi for Me 10, if you put that in at checkout, you can save 10% off your total order, and that includes off a lot of sale items. So we encourage you to take advantage of that, uh, let them know that you are listening to us, and uh, that the, you buy cool things from them, really. Uh, but yeah, we're very, very happy to have them as a sponsor. So yes, um, the big announcement out of now this has been the the iTunes going away has been rumored hotly for the last several days there's been a lot of buzz online about this and for those of you who listen to podcasts you have a wealth of different places you can listen to podcasts iTunes Stitcher uh, oh goodness um, they're all over the double place twist. double twist Blueberry. yeah um, uh, podcast.com which hosts our our stuff currently um, and and they have pretty pretty traditionally and it turns out this was actually something that, that they started making available last year uh, I, I looked up the the history on when iTunes supposedly made their analytics available. It's been that long, really? Yeah. Oh. Um, we've gotten so used to iTunes not being something you can actually get analytics oh. on that it was a bit of a surprise when we were actually to look at our 
analytics on iTunes. And I'm not even sure. Now, I can't look at those because that's actually under your iTunes login. Right. And and I should give you that information. But ba- basically what happened was this, this week we had the headline about iTunes uh, going mm. away and Apple was going to make this announcement stuff at E3. No, it was their their developers conference. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the the question that I put out there was: Does this mean we're going to get iTunes? Is it we're going to get podcast uh, stats? And the CEO of Blueberry mm-hmm. tweeted back: uh, That's been available for a while. And as you as you did your research, it has been. I wasn't aware of it. I was like, Oh, okay. Well, looks like we we gotten used to it not being. Yeah. So we just started, you so know, we never looked. You stop looking. Turns out, mm. I looked. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I should have looked because, according to the statistics, now it only goes back sixty days, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of our shows have been dormant for longer than that. The right, only right. ones really that have been going still are this show mm-hmm. and Zompocalypse Now. Right. And looking at the statistics for the last 60 days, there is one episode of Zompocalypse Now that has been listened to on five devices at 42% consumption, an average of 17 minutes per device. Uh, it's an hour. I think, I think that particular episode is, is just a little over an hour. Mm-hmm. And this show, according to iTunes, has had no listeners at all. Now, I will point out that, a little qualifier there, we host our shows on podcast.com, and uh-huh. generally speaking, when we put out the link to an episode, uh, at least on Zompocalypse Now, we're putting out the podcast.com link. Yeah, and you're getting, you're getting some, some traffic over there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I looked at the numbers for, for podcast.com, and we're, we are down, um, and this is, this is Dustin and my fault, okay, because we've had, we, this is ever since Dustin moved. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we knew this was going to happen, um, and we were we were determined not to uh, just, you know, just keep going anyway. That there was going to be uh, disruptions to the regular plan, right? Because he moved to a new state, you know, had to get his kids in school, and all the different things, all the things that go with transplanting your life to another place, uh, and then ma- trying to maintain a weekly podcast schedule doesn't always work, right? And unlike a lot of shows, we do weekly. Um, and so, uh, we've had a little bit of, you know, disrupt and, and we always get better numbers when we're doing something like the walking dead or fear of the walking dead versus the off periods where the shows aren't on the air and we're talking about something else. Right. Random topics. Yeah. Well, I mean, we talk about other shows and, you know, so you can definitely see, I think the first real break, um, was we said the first season of Santa Clarita diet. Oh, right, right. And then, which we got pretty good numbers on. And then, um, well, relatively good numbers. And then we did Teen Wolf, which was confusing (laughs) because the numbers didn't make a lot of sense. And it was confusing some of our listeners, too. It's like, really? Teen Wolf? Yeah. Dustin loves the show. Um, I grew not to be terribly, terribly confused by the show. And, And you know that surprises me a little bit that Dustin would still enjoy the show given our history with them and what happened yeah it's one of those things where he doesn't blame he doesn't blame the show or the so so a little brief background there uh dustin uh and dustin and our friend molly 
used to have a show called Reviews for Humans. Yes, which, it was one of our first mm-hmm. one of our first video shows. Here. Right, and it's still online. You can find it on YouTube, and I encourage you to check it out. It's very funny. It's a no, it's still online, but they haven't been they haven't done any new no, episodes no, have, in what no, three, and, four four or five years. Yeah, now. and it's unfortunate. It's just it's a scheduling thing. It's a it's it's a job travel life thing. That unfortunately they've never been able to get back into it, and it's a shame because it's really, really funny, and they did a great job in it. And um, anyway, they had the opportunity to go on the Teen Wolf set, mm-hmm. and the people who wa- who created the show loved their reviews yeah. that they did on Reviews for Humans, and everything went seemed to be going really, really well. And then somewhere up the food chain, above the people who actually make the show. The decision was made to go with somebody else as their favored reviewer. Oh, uh, as I understand, it, they they ended up making their own, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Is that what that was? Yeah, MTV, that, they, they MTV decided they were going to make their own show that basically took the idea that we had for reviews for humans, and they without ran without it. the unique personalities of Dustin and Molly. So unfortunately, yeah. they made a terrible, terrible error there, uh, but. Nonetheless, uh, no. They, Dustin still loves the show. Molly still loves the show, as far as I'm aware. Um, they don't blame the they don't blame the creative people. I miss Molly. I do too. Molly, Molly's a good writer. She's mm-hmm. she's uh, she's good on screen talent. I wish she would. Uh, I wish she would consider coming coming back to doing stuff. But. She just has a lot to do right yeah. now. So it's and, and, it's the and, nature you know, of the world, my friend. That's how things that's how things go with this, especially especially with an all volunteer thing like we're right. doing. Where we don't have any money. We're um, you know, people come and go as they're able. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of money, you know, we've got the super chat, which is part of the monetization tools that we have now, where you can actually go in and in the in the live chat when we're when we're live on the air like this. Um, if you go into the live chat, there's a little icon with a dollar sign on it. This is called a super chat, and you can actually do a super sticker too. You can you can not only can you give us money, but even better, you can give us a sticker. <laughs> and it shows up there in the live chat. And any of you who are watching, you can jump in in the live chat, give us your give us your comments. Um, I did correctly set the settings so there's not very much of a delay. <laughs> Oh. So you're seeing us pretty much right after we're saying what we're saying. So uh, the the delay is is really mm-hmm. essentially only how long it takes the signal to get from mm-hmm. here to there. So uh, so you're if you're if you're watching live, uh, jump in the live chat, give us your comments as we go through this because tonight is just kind of a random bits and pieces. There's a show. lot of interesting news out those. that we're going to cover. Um, I did want to make a little plug here for a podcast that I was just on where I talked about sci-fi for me. Yes, you did. And Starlog and what we've been doing with Starlog magazine uh, looking back at the wonderful period of Starlog's oh, run. You know, the way you said that, I wish we were doing something with Starlog Yeah, magazine. I know. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, but uh, we, uh, uh, we have more interviews coming out. I'm um, and but I was just on the cinema, the Film Society um, KC podcast, um, Film Row, uh, with Todd, hosted by Todd Norris, who's a filmmaker here in town who I've worked with, and we had a fun discussion about a lot of things. I got to talk about some of the films that I think that um, maybe don't get as much love right now as they should, and I got to uh, talk a little bit about 
uh, the work that mostly mostly Jason here has been doing, getting amazing interviews with some of the folks at Starlock, and like mostly all of it. Uh, I have one really good interview, uh, and uh, you've I've, had a bunch of really good interviews. I have. I well, we have we have so far posted interviews with. Robert Greenberger, who was a managing editor at Starlog and then helped create Comic Scene mm-hmm. before he went over to DC Comics as an editor. Um, Dan DeKultz, who was a writer, in Spelling, who was a writer, mm-hmm. and went on to become the editor of Star Trek.com when they brought it back when the JJ right. revival mm-hmm. happened. And he was editor of Star Trek.com for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you, if you happened to see... The DS9 documentary, What We Left Behind, he's in that. Right. He's, he's in there uh, uh, offering a couple of insights. Uh, but to talk to him. Um, who else have we talked to? You've, you've got your, that, yours that – should we go ahead and just talk about who else we've, we've got? We might as well. I mean, get some, get some enthusiasm. Um, uh, Tony Timponi. Yes. Oh, this is a fun. This was a fun one. Um, I got to talk to him for about forty-five minutes, and it has just been brutal cutting down this conversation into <laughs> a manageable article. For for those who don't know, yeah. So he was the editor of Fangoria during pretty much the oh, managing editor. Oh, yeah, right? managing yeah. area. Um, and he uh, he ran. He actually got started very very young. He basically uh, became. Uh, they lost the one of the founding editors uh, left, and he became he came in as an editor and at twenty two. Uh-huh. So you don't get to take over Fangoria at twenty two. You just don't. <laughs> um, but Not he anymore. almost did, yeah. and he basically he uh, the current editor stayed with him for like six months to a year. I can't remember. Um, but anyway, he was, was with him. Da- it was Dave, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And he actually ended up staying with him there until they felt like he had earned his wings and was ready to go. And so he got to edit Fangoria in his early twenties, and he and he told me what the day was like. It's like you show up from work and you check your mail because the studios have <laughs> mailed you things. Yes, yes. And it's just, I mean, it was fantastic. And and I literally, I've been I've, working on it this weekend and agonizing as I've been cutting down. It was it, was, mm. it started Friday night. It went in at, at 3,500 words. I'm fine with 3,500 words. And now I've got it down to 2,900 I'm fine with 5,000 words. I have got, well, you... Well, you there's, a lot, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of chaff in there. And this is one of yeah. the things when, you, when you're writing out an interview, I mean, it's one thing when you are recording something like this where the ums mm-hmm. and, and the vocal patterns we all have, right? Right. Well, uh, so depending on where you're from, you may have certain vocal patterns. And he's a New Yorker. Mm. And so there's a, there's a certain sound and rhythm to his vocal patterns. And when you transcribe this stuff, <laughs> you end up with, and if you transcribe it literally, which, which I did, um, you end up with this. Yeah. It's like, okay, you know, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I've got a lot of those in my interview with Cardiangelo, yeah. who is also a New Yorker. And now living in Los Angeles, uh, he, he spent a little bit of time in Hollywood as a film producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now owns a couple of comic book shops in L.A. Um, and he was a managing editor for Starlog. And you mentioned Tony being so young. That was a common thing mm-hmm. with Starlog um, because Dan Dickholtz, fresh out of college, Ian yeah. Spelling, fresh out of college, all of these guys, Robert Greenberger, all of yeah. them were you know, early 20s 
coming out of college, they were looking for work. And right. and uh, Dave McDonald, who was the editor for most of Starlog's run, uh, he, he, he even told me, because I got to interview him too, mm-hmm. uh, he told me that one of the things that he was doing was, was trying to nurture young talent. Oh, yeah. He was looking, looking yeah, for those guys. Tony started at Starlog. He yeah. started writing for Starlog, and uh, he actually got started writing for a different magazine, which was a sort of a cheap knockoff of Starlog. And they noticed one of his articles and went, "Come over here." Was it Starancos? <laughs> oh gosh, um, so I can't remember what it's called now. Uh, Access Screenland. Okay, that wasn't Starancos. No. Uh, I think I think who was it? Was it was it? It was either Ian or Dan. One of them. I want to say it was Dan Dickholz. Got started at. It might have been Ian Spelling. I can't remember. I'll have to go back and look. But one of them started at Jim Steronko's magazine. Mm-hmm. He had a, an entertainment pop culture magazine at the time, too. Right. And I want to – you know, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. But one of them started as a stringer for Jim Steronko. Mm-hmm. And then went over to Starlog yeah. and and was doing stuff there. But um, Cardiangelo tells me uh, when he applied, uh, he went in and found out that he had actually applied twice. Mm. He applied because there was one – back in the day, they had these things called classified ads – in the newspaper, the deuce you say? Did they, did they still have them? <laughs> they still I don't know. Have classified ads. So classified ad. There was this job listing, and of course, you you pay by the word. So mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a very very minimal description of the job right. that's available, and doesn't say anything. And and here's the Starlog ad. But then he's 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 looking in another place, another publication, mm-hmm. and it's got a different ad. For editorial assisted type of thing, so right, he yeah. he applied to both of them. Sure, and when they went in there, he said he he, he goes in and he's talking to um, Norman Norman Jacobs, mm-hmm. who was the publisher, and so you applied twice. What? No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. Here, you, you answered both of these ads. <laughs> he's like. Oh, and they figured he was just really enthusiastic about working for Starlock, so let's talk to him. But yeah. it's, it's they they these guys have these guys have some really great stories. Oh, they do, uh, and, and I cannot wait to share because not only did I get to talk to Cardiangelo, mm-hmm. who was a managing editor at Starlog and also a writer, but I also got to interview Dave McDonald, who was the editor of Starlog for right. a long time, and and I I'm debating on this last one how I'm going to to put it out in the world mm-hmm. because um, I got to interview Carrie O'Quinn, who was the founder of Starlog magazine. Right. And I'm I'm considering just putting that one out there as a as the uh, just the raw audio. Right. And just put it put it either probably probably put it here at, on on the YouTube channel. Right. With Something I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, 
how fun would it be to sit there for an hour and look at the Starlog logo, <laughs> just kind of going in and out, all these little I, psychedelic I, things? Or for a while there, I was really tempted to do that with Tony's. Unfortunately, we had to we had some recording issues with um, when we were mm. trying to trying to do the interview. We'd originally planned to record the call a certain way, and we weren't able to do that. And I was still able to record the call, and the audio quality is okay. Jiminy the Gremlin. Yeah. Right? Um, but the audio quality wasn't particularly great. And audio is one of those things where um, there are times when you are accepting of iffy audio, and there are times just like, no, I just don't want to. Yeah. I'd rather have it be clear. So so I tried to actually keep enough of his his vocal patterns. I mean, they're his words in the article, mm-hmm. um, but I tried not to sanitize them of character, right? Yeah. And so uh, that was one of that was one of the things I was struggling with this weekend is is finding that balance. Um, and now I have all this wonderful text, which I'm still going to have to cut <laughs> down because there's just places where it's like it could be tighter here, it could be tighter here, you yeah. know. And that's just a sometimes that's painful when you're when you're doing someone has just been telling you a great story, and you're listening to it and you're like, but I don't want to lose this although, sentence. Even although though, if I if I subscribe to the Dave McDonald method, mm-hmm. if you've got five pages of a story, I'll run five pages of a story. And, yeah, and, you know, because that's what that's what they did. Well, back that's then. one of the things we like, tried well, to hey, do. You've got all this material. Yeah, let's run it all. I'll take all of it. Yeah, and this is one of the things that you and I talked about when you said we we're going to do this is that we we were going to have longer stories, but there are degrees, mm-hmm. uh, and so I think that I was going through when I was going through the forty-seven minute conversation. Only forty-seven minutes. Only forty-seven. Oh, you minutes. got off easy. I was I was happy to keep going, but we reached we'd reached a real point where I didn't. I felt like I was you know I could I could yeah. monopolize his time for a lot longer. I just didn't feel like I should. I uh, asked I asked Dave McDonald for about twenty minutes, and I got an hour and twenty. Well, and that's one I of the got things, an hour and twenty with Car. That's one of the things that Tony was talking about, which was, um, and I kept a little bit of this in there. We didn't we didn't want to you know there were certain things. It, it, this was sort of a digression that he and I went on, but um, there's a certain argument, and we've made this before, is that back in back in the day mm. with magazines like Starlog, you got the deep dive because they had access, yeah, and you could get in and you could talk to these people. And he was talking; he he, he mentioned uh, somebody that he interviewed not too long ago about an actor he interviewed, where it was basically ten minutes, ten minutes with this person. And it's just he says, you know, unless there unless there's certain magazines where you can follow them around all day, you just don't have the access that you used to have. Right. Well, and there's so many different outlets now that are right. that are fighting. For and that. so, I mean, it's it, sometimes you you can understand that to a certain degree, and there's a certain amount of you know, this is just the way the world changes, and so you just adapt to it. But there's mm-hmm. it's perfectly acceptable to sit there and go, but wasn't it cool when? Oh yeah. And so when you have like an hour and a half or forty five minutes, where you sit there and talk to these people, and they sit there and they get to tell a cool story about you know, uh, oh. we were talking about you know podcasts. Of course, we're on one, and video in this particular case uh, as well. But you know, Fangoria, Fangoria is back for those of you who somehow have missed that news. What? Yeah, it's true. Four times a mo- four times a year, Fangoria is published as a print magazine, mm-hmm. and. Tony was telling me, and I think I've mentioned this before, um, that there's... You've there, mentioned it to me. You haven't mentioned it to them. There is a possibility, this is not a done deal, but it's something that they're pushing for, is that they think it should go to six issues because they have so much content that quarterly is just killing them to not put that stuff in there. Yeah, well, and 
and I'm going to have to have a have a conversation with somebody in their office because I had a I had a very I had a conversation very early on mm-hmm. with the Cinestate people, the people who actually own Fangoria now. And we were talking about doing some cooperative things, mm-hmm. and you know, say we have some, you know, how can we, how can we help? You know, how get the word right, out right. and stuff. And they, oh yeah, we'd we'd love to do this stuff. And I had this idea of doing what I call Fangoria deep cuts, mm-hmm. because not everything gets it into the magazine, and right, they're right. not posting anything online right now. Right. And so I said, well, what what if you had an outlet where you could put some of the extra stuff? And use that to promote subscriptions to the print magazine. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And sure as shooting a month ago, Birth Movies Death is doing it. Mm. And I'm thinking, hang on. I'm going to have to have conversation with Jessica. This is not necessarily evidence that that happened no, that way. And I'm not saying that it did. Right. I'm not saying they stole right. the idea, right. but it just is so... The, the, the world is full of plenty of, of ideas that ran concurrently. Um, yeah. But anyway, so Fangoria is back, and Tony is involved with Fangoria again. He writes, he's he's edit, uh, editor emeritus? Yeah, he, he, yeah, and he contributes a column every month, and he's uh, involved uh, with some of the... Um, Multimedia aspects of the company because they're back in. Cinestate is a film producer, mm-hmm. and so Based there's and there's actually uh, uh, Fangoria films are likely to be coming back. Fangoria. They're uh, actually they're actually in the in production right. on their second one, mm-hmm. I think now. Uh, but he's talking based about on uh, based on it's called our Our Lady of the Infernos, right. uh, written by Preston Fossil, who. Is uh, every now and again uh, a semi regular on our show, Trailer Park. Right. So, so yeah, it's, there's a lot of cool things happening with Fangoria, and Tony's back involved with it. So we've got to talk about that. We also got to talk about something that I happen to know one of the one of the great Scream Queens, Scream Queens. Yeah. I said that right. Yeah. Um, Debbie Rashawn. Now I don't know her really well. I've actually had the opportunity to meet her and work with her on a uh, uh, what was ultimately not a complete film project. No. Uh, but I got a chance to hang out with her for a weekend, and, and she's really, really nice. And like so many other people who look giant on screen, she's very small. She's oh, sure. tiny. Um, but she's a, a really, really neat lady. And so I had a good, like I said, opportunity to work with her and really enjoyed it. And she was with the D. Snyder. Um, of Twisted Sister, who's a huge horror film fan, uh, used to host uh, Fangoria Radio on the Sirius uh, mm-hmm. network. And, of course, that was, I think, uh, and Tony was uh, one of the regular hosts on that show as well. He wasn't yeah. on there on everyone, but he was, he, toward the end, it was the three of them as hosts. And I had forgotten he'd been involved with that. I was so I, my my brain was so full of D Snyder and Debbie Rashan, which is yeah. what happens. D Snyder is a very large personality. Yes, um, he is. And um, so I talked to them about maybe are, they, are there plans to bring it back? And he's like, <laughs> that would be great, Wouldn't but it? none of us are in the same place. They're all, they're I mean, Debbie's in Canada, <coughs> uh, D is in um, uh, L A. No, he's in in Las Vegas, and and Tony's in New York. So well, I mean, okay. There's this thing called the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, you know as well as I do, because when we do stuff virtually, when I'm, you know, when I'm I know, calling yeah. into my apartment, there's something about being able to go. Yeah. Know? No, I, I know, I know. But, um, you know, Tom Baker recorded his lines for Star Wars: The Clone Wars 
in England. I know. I know. And but they he, put it all together in L.A. So these, now, these kind of things are possible. Yeah. Now, Fangoria is producing Postmortem, uh, the Postmortem podcast, mm-hmm. and which I definitely encourage you to check out. I think it's a really fantastic podcast. Yeah, not, as much as, you know, always want to plug our own stuff. Pl- this, sure. this is one I feel really happy. They, they get a chance to talk to some really fantastic creators. Just like we get excited about talking about, you know, the, the people behind Starlog and Fangoria. These are some of the filmmakers and actors. It's a really fantastic podcast. And and speaking of Starlog in in the context of of Fangoria coming back and connected to that because the 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 conversation always goes that direction. Right, yeah. Because I had I had I had a phone call. I've had several phone calls with the people in charge. And at one point I said, "You know, you absolutely know that people are sitting there seeing Fangoria come back. <laughs> and the next thought is, when is it Starlog's turn? When right. is Starlog yeah. coming back? And the answer that I got was, we haven't had that conversation yet. The, 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 the word yet on the mm-hmm. end of that state, statement kind of tells me they are aware oh, that sure. there are people sure, out there sure, that would sure. love to see Starlog come back but there's there's a couple of things and I and I think they're being smart about it they they right now their concentration is on Fangoria they want to make sure that it comes back that it's solid that it's successful mm-hmm. and as you're as you're saying there from what Tony was saying they they want to expand that okay great now, you know, get it, but without, get it up on but its without feet. going crazy. Don't overextend. Yeah. Don't don't put too you know too much. You know, spread yourself too thin. And I think once they get Fangoria at a place where everybody's comfortable that it's going to stick around for mm-hmm. a while, I think then they can turn their attention to Starlog and maybe have that conversation. Because the the next thing out of that, the question is. What does that look like? Right. What does it look like when you bring Starlog back? Mm-hmm. If you bring it back, is it print? Is it mag? Is it is it online? Because everybody that we were talking to, when I was talking to Ian, I was talking to to, to uh, Dan and these guys, bringing Starlog back, most of them agree that doing just a print magazine is not necessarily the best idea. There's got to be an online component. Sure. And there's some some of them expressed some concern about Fangoria being a just a print piece, and I think maybe Cinestate is is playing a little bit and experimenting and testing a little with giving some of that material to Birth Movies Death, mm-hmm. and maybe some other outlets. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. I'm just I'll, I'll put I'll put a plug out there. Sure, sure. Um, but I think you know they're testing the waters on a little bit of that. But I well, think also it, is you know it, if if it does well, if mm-hmm. if Fangoria does as well as they hope from the conversations that I've had and, right, and yeah. you know what they've they've said, Starlog could be on the radar. Not soon, but eventually, you know, the I, next year, year and a half. I think it's a you know, there's it's a legitimate concern because even though one of the issues with Fangoria and Starlog going away was the management of how they were managed at the end. Um, yeah. There and that's 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 a big, big conversation. But ultimately there was also this thing going on at the time where the magazine industry was contracting. 
mm. and contracting hard. The magazine industry from when from when the the eighties and nineties, really from the mid nineties to the mid twenties, uh, mid two thousands, the contraction of the magazine industry was pretty brutal. Yeah, back in the old days, we'd call that the aughts. Yeah, in the in the two thousands. So aughts. the because the internet became a thing and all this stuff was available and mm-hmm. and you had multiple sources and it was free. You didn't have to. Pop down your two bucks, two fifty, yeah. whatever it is, and and advertising revenue, of course, which drives so much of what how what gets published is where the the ads are getting sold. Also started to fall off pretty hard. So there are a lot of things that went into the demise of a ton of magazines of every kind. It wasn't just, it wasn't just a genre magazines. Yeah. Uh, a lot of just magazines across the board of every subject suddenly found themselves without enough readership or ad revenue to justify being around. Yeah, Dave McDonald tells me that, that uh, at one point early on, uh, Microsoft d- uh, put together an online magazine initiative mm-hmm. that basically you pay 50 cents, a dollar, whatever, mm-hmm. and you could download... Or, mm, or right. you can access and read magazine articles, and Starlog was part of it. And he said, he said uh, that they didn't really think it th- think it all the way through because technically that's a reprint, and now suddenly all of your oh, writers get their reprint right, fees, yeah. so they're paying reprint fees to the writers, mm-hmm. and nobody is downloading the magazine articles because nobody wants to pay for it because right, yeah. they get it for free other places, and and that. You know, Starlog wasn't the only magazine. They had a lot of different different ones, sure, like right, you say, yeah, with yeah. all of the across across lots of different genres and and top, topics. But it didn't last very long at all. And they were yeah. spending more to pay the writers, right? Sure. The the extra. Well, than, it's than yeah, unfortunately, I think there was a lot of stuff that happened in the early days of trying to monetize the internet, or currently trying to monetize the internet, <laughs> yeah. uh, where people sit there and they go. Okay, let's do this thing, and it's like, did you not consider the? And they're like, uh, no, we didn't consider the whatever it is. We're still it, trying to figure out how to how to put this thing. Yeah. We have we have been talking since October about an Indiegogo campaign, mm-hmm. and it's about I want to say it's about three fourths of the way put together. Yeah, because the the challenge for us. Because Indiegogo right now is just blowing up with independent comics, mm-hmm. Cyberfrog and Lone Star, and uh, it, I mean, there's there's a ton of them out there, Red Rooster, and they are making bank. Mm-hmm. They are, I mean, Cyberfrog is well on its way to to close to close to a million dollars by now. I mean, mm-hmm. he's gone over. I last time I saw anything, he was. What eight hundred fifty, eight hundred seventy thousand dollars for this project, and all of these projects, most of these projects, are making not only goal, mm-hmm. but one hundred and fifty percent of goal, three hundred percent of goal, twenty four hundred percent of goal. Sure. I mean, it's just incredible the amount of money that's going into these things. And I'm looking at all this, and I'm thinking, this is this is where. This is where the money is. This is where the audience is because this is our audience. These are the people that are sitting there going, don't get political. Tell us stories. This looks like a good story. I'm going to put my money in. I'm going to back it. You give me the book, and I'm going to tell you if I like it or not. Mm. And for us, 
it's the same kind of thing. You know, we're delivering the news articles. We're doing the podcast. We're doing the shows. You tell us if you like it or not, and you, you give us the money or not or whatever. Right. The problem is we don't have a product. We don't have a book that we're going to print and give you, and here's the book or a PDF right. or you know the, you know, the trading cards. Here's the here's the sketch. Who's, the here's a copy of the sketches. Yeah, that the we, ash can yeah, yeah. and all these things. All that stuff. Yeah. So I'm I'm sitting here just racking my brains. I mean, we could do the mug. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Fine. Mugs we do the mug. And t-shirts. We do and the that T-shirt sort of thing. But but yeah. <laughs> so and we've got a really cool perk at the higher level. Right. But we can't just launch with that. We got to have the other stuff. Now we've negotiated with Atomic Cotton because they've made our T-shirts before. Mm-hmm. We've negotiated with them. They're they're okay with doing a ten percent discount at mm-hmm. one level. Right. And I'm talking with Alterna Comics about possibly doing a discount for their titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, Alterna Comics, they are uh, they're an independent publisher uh, up up uh, northeast. And they have uh, their monthly issue, floppy, you know, single issues. They're printed on a newsprint, mm-hmm. but they look really good. They're really able to do some really nice work on newsprint paper. And mm-hmm. this is back back in our day. Mm-hmm. Comic books were printed on newsprint all the time. And newsprint paper. This is the paper that newspapers are printed on. It's right. the it's the 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 fiber paper stuff it's cheaper it's the pulp paper most of the comic books nowadays marvel dc image idw they don't print on on newsprint anymore they print on that that prestige paper is right. why they're charging four five six dollars an in, issue whereas alterna is charging a dollar fifty right and now in in fairness to the folks who are to, with it you are paying for a higher quality paper that actually takes a little more punishment than newsprint does well yeah just uh you know so there's there's reasons from their point of view to do it. However, there are advantages yeah. to doing it on newsprint, and one of those is cost. So, so for they're, the producer. they're doing pretty good. And, and I've been talking with Peter Sametti about, about seeing about if we could do some sort of a, a 10% discount for alternate titles if you order direct. And he's open to it. We haven't actually sat down and formalized sure, right, and yeah. said, yes, this is what we're going to do. But outside of that, what... What do we offer as perks? I mean, yeah. we we already are doing the news. We are already doing the podcast. We're providing and the all of We're our stuff for stuff. free. <laughs> and you know, you can do you can free. do the private Facebook group for behind the scenes stuff, and right, and yeah. you can do that. You know, you get a little special access for that or whatnot. Um, maybe at one level, you get access to. Private live shows, you know, we do special, like special editions of our shows or something. Well, I don't know. I mean, See, I don't we, know. we could potentially, we could potentially bring somebody along, and this, of course, would be, would be a region-specific thing because we could potentially bring someone along to advanced screenings. Yeah, I mean, I we, we get we get press passes to sometimes go to advanced screenings, and and that that could be a perk. But the thing is, of course, that's in if you're in the Kansas City area. Yeah, so yeah, that's uh, the, that's, that's the thing because we've got which people, is not to say we wouldn't love to take somebody in the Kansas a fan in the Kansas City area. To that's go true, but screen. I mean, but we have we have people that 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 watch our shows. 
you know, depending on the show, we have people that watch from you know uh, Saskatchewan and Australia right, yeah. and Chicago, Which is great. And, and 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 everywhere else. So, so the 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 challenge is figuring out what perks we offer yeah. and and may. I, I, yeah, I'm at a loss. Well, folks, if you have a suggestion of something that you would like, bearing in mind, of course, that we are doing this um, mostly with the change in our pockets. Um, You've got change in your pockets? I, no, actually, I don't. <sighs> I took it out. <laughs> well, we do have. Where did I? What did I do? Where's with the, uh, your, the the jar of tip jar? The, the jar of coins? Yeah. So, I mean, you can certainly, uh, if you have an idea of something that we can do that that we can produce that is not going to be expensive, because I mean, as much as as much as we would love to sit there and spend a lot of money to give to stuff to the folks who listen to us, and, and honestly, that would be one of the best things I could spend my money on is the folks who actually listen to the podcast and watch our shows or read our articles. This, um, this is a can of Cafe Bustello. The, and the reason that this is the tip jar is because mm-hmm. this is the tip jar. This is the swear jar that they use on Luke Cage. Right. Yeah. So we're taking a page from them. But the, and we don't swear a lot on this show. Although <laughs> there was that one time. A, yeah. Um, if you if you if you want to hear if you want to hear swearing, you can go over to Zompocalypse now and and the and the occasional mm-hmm. show I do with my kid, um, uh, Family Movie Nightmare. Because my kid is very sweary. Um, it's very funny when my mm. kid does it, though. At least it's funny to me. Uh, I'm amused by the fact that she's uh, she's so vehement. She has, yes. she has she gets she gets passionate about storytelling, <laughs> and so she will sit there and get angry at bad yes. storytelling and, and start cursing out the writers. It's really funny. Um, I'm amused, but. So yeah, so that's we try to avoid that sort of thing here. Overall. What about? Well, is it, uh, what if what if we set up at a certain level access to a private "Ask Me Anything" session? Would that be a perk? I mean, would that be something like, say, at the hundred dollar level you could get in, or at the fifty dollar level you get into the group, and then? Here's here's the link to the to the private. Would that be a Discord conversation? Would you have to do that, or can we do that on YouTube? I don't even know. I don't even know. That's an interesting question. I think that's yeah. So yeah, definitely, folks. If you have if you have ideas, if things that you think that we could we could provide to you, that would be a a perk that you'd be willing to give us a couple of bucks a month for. Mm. um, We'd be happy to consider it. I think that that's. I can say that. We do have a particular goal for an Ask Me Anything. Mm-hmm. I do have one already arranged. Yeah. When we get, and I'm going to say when, not if, when we get to 1,500 subscribers on our YouTube channel, mm-hmm. we have an agreement to do an Ask Me Anything with Tom Kane. Right. Tom has said, sure, why not? He's done it before. He's mm-hmm. done. He's done. Ask me anything before. And Tom but, Kane is, of course, the voice of an amazing range of of. He's Lord Monkeyfest. I mean, he's Yoda. He's Yoda. He's Magneto. He's, he's narrator smart. Iron Man. He's the voice of the Oscars for a very long time. Yes, and he was the voice of the Spectrum Awards this year. That's for us. right. And he is our voice. Uh, for a number of things. oh yeah he's st- he's he's the first words you hear on the Zompocalypse Now podcast yes uh, and it's he's the first verse voice you hear on a lot of our podcasts all on this show exactly yeah uh, we're and we're happy to have him 
and he's a fantastic, he's a wonderful actor, and as well as a voice actor, he's a fantastic on screen. In the rare occasion he gets to act, I need to check with him. I need to check with him see if he got in trouble over Celebration. I hope not. I hope not. Probably not. He's Tom Kane. Yeah, he should be okay. Fine. Although he did say when after after the whole thing with Akbar. Uh, the comments he made about Akbar, I, I sent him a text. I said, are you going to get in trouble? He said, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see, um, I just ran across it today. The um, article about the Akbar dance that he didn't want to do? No. That popped um, up in my feed. Um, even more sad than that, the the guy that played Akbar yeah. like, actually wore the suit yeah. and was Akbar for all this time. Um, apparently... <clears throat> On the final day, they they asked him to put the costume back on and come back in, and they handed him the this Millennium Falcon cutout, and they said, "Could you could you say it's a it's a wrap?" Oh. And he did, but he was mortified, and he said he said he just he just crawled out of there afterwards because he was thinking you know, Akbar was going to get something else, right? Yeah, you know, and and Akbar was just unceremoniously blown out the side of the ship and mm-hmm. didn't get any kind of a any kind of a of a of a proper scene or anything, you know, right? And there are there are some people who are who are taking umbrage at the fact that. Ryan Johnson, because Ryan Johnson was in charge, um, treated that character so badly, but also treated the actor that badly. That that Akbar had become a joke, and that's really sad. Yeah, um, I did see the news that Paul Darrow passed away today. Oh, yeah, from Blake Seven. Blake Seven, Avon from Blake Seven, and one of the people who was uh, quite instrumental in keeping interest in the show alive over the last couple of decades. Uh, Whatever happened to that reboot? Reboot? That talking about it yeah, like I know. Three or four and years I, ago. Nothing, as far as I can tell. Um, Darrow wrote a couple um, Avon-centered novels mm-hmm. set in the Blake Seven universe. And for those of you who are not familiar with Blake Seven, um, long before Farscape and the grimmer reboot of Battlestar Galactica, and some of the more adult, quote-unquote, adult. Um, and by I mean grown up, uh, grown up uh, science fiction stories that were that were really kind of groundbreaking for the time. Mm-hmm. Blake Seven did it first, yeah. and where the the optimistic world of the Federation um, was responded to by the much more cynical British uh, production of Blake Seven, which was clearly meant to directly reference Star Trek because the logo for the show was basically the. Uh, the the, the Delta. Federation swoop yeah. uh, turned on its side, um, but it was a uh, basically um, a, mu- a much more cynical, much darker, inverted version of it was almost a mirror universe of the of the the Star Trek show. The Federation were the bad guys, mm-hmm. and the the you know the. The character, the the Spock character, was not only uh, relatively emotionless, but he was also a stone cold killer, and he didn't even have a beard. Um, but anyway, Blake Seven, especially, um, there, it was a show of its time. There were a lot of episodes that were like, "Wow, this did not age well," yeah. but some of it has aged extremely well. And the ending is still one of the most shocking pieces of science fiction television, where 
Um, the show got canceled, and the last scene of the show, spoiler alert for a show that's been off the air for 30 plus, 35, 40 years, 40 yeah. years, um, it looks like everybody dies. It looks like they kill off everyone. Mm-hmm. And there were attempts <laughs> to bring the show back where, because they had a way to, to, you know, make that ending work and still not have a show. Right. And they, they couldn't get it back off the ground. And there was talk a few years ago about a reboot, and some of us got really excited. Well, it was of, sci-fi that was going to do it, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And a really quality, that's, that is one of those shows that if you did it right, you could have, like the first, like the, like the miniseries of Battlestar Galactica in the first couple of seasons, mm-hmm. if you treated it with that kind of uh, dedication and, and respect, respect even, even, if you, even if you stepped away from what Blake 7 originally was, like, like the Battlestar Galactica did, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you reimagined it um, and treated it that well, then a lot of a lot of fans would I think a lot of science fiction fans would love it because it was a really cool uh, premise actually and and in, and a lot of, a lot of the cast has passed away over the years there were a lot of them were in their thirties and forties when the show was was being made so it is unfortunate it's not uh, Darrow was I think uh, seventy eight or or I think he might have been older than that mm-hmm. um, but he certainly um, uh, it's a shame to see him go because he was one of the yeah seventy eight. Um, he was one of the last people who was really pushing, or the, ca- the cast around to push for bringing the show back. Yeah. Well, and and you know, for people of a certain age, uh, like like us. Um, by the way, you had a birthday here not too long ago. I, I birthday, did. But... Thank you. I, am, um, I I have survived another another rotation of the, yes. of the planet around the solar system. I we are going to start seeing more of that. Um, oh yeah, because the original cast of Star Trek is—I mean, Dewan's gone, DeForest Kelly's gone, uh, Nimoy's gone, uh, Nichelle Nichols may be the next one. Uh, I mean, I—I I, I hate even to make that prediction, but you know, she's she's not in the best of health, and and you know, the story we had the story on Good Morning Multiverse uh, about the. Difficulties apparently that she's having with her son, and, uh, right. and we don't know we don't know all of the details about that. But Stan Lee is gone. Um, we'll we'll lose Tom Baker at some point. Oh yeah. You when know, when I think when when you look at Carrie when, Fisher's gone. Oh sure. The 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 really strange thing is is that you and for those of you for those of our younger listeners, but see there aren't any actors of that. I don't want to say that caliber. There, there aren't that many actors now that are making the cultural impact. Uh, I would, I would agree with I that to think. a point, but I would say the folks Robert like Robert Downey Jr. Maybe. Um, well, I mean, you look at you look at how many people were were deeply, deeply sad when Paul Walker died. I mean, it's it's different, but no. it's still there. And I think that unfortunately, again, this is something that happens when you've got the sort of the widespread scattershot world of the internet is that when you have the the number the number of stars is bigger which is great mm. because there's so many different you know you you've got so many different ways to tell stories now so there the fandom has spread so but for the folks who are who were around when you know you only had 
the much more narrow focus of the 70s and 80s and early 90s, those fans, I think that we carry those people a little bit more focused for us, I think. It's like like when, you know, losing David Bowie, okay, you sit there and realize you've lost someone who has had that, I mean, over decades had that kind of impact on music. There aren't that many modern musicians because people like Bowie and the Beatles and the Stones and and Elton John and, and, you know... uh, Well, Bowie kept reinventing himself. Oh, well, Bowie Bowie was a guy who sat there and always looked at the music around him and went... That's interesting. Can I do that for a while? Can I, can I? Can I come play? I mean, he was, you know, he was, he was incredibly. He was always fascinating. I think some of the best storytellers. We see this a lot with, with people like when Spielberg is at his top. When he, when he's making, you know, he he goes into a genre and he just plays, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that um, you see that you see that with some of the the really f- great modern filmmakers who are just, um, you know, you look at somebody like like Jordan Peele. Who yeah. comes out of comedy and sits there and goes, "Yeah, but you know what? I can make really scary horror films." And everyone's like, "Yeah, sure." Oh, wait, what? <laughs> well, comedy and horror are just you know two sides of a coin. Well, and comedy and drama can be too. It's like speaking uh, of Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Speaking of Harrison Ford. Yeah. Okay, so last week Galaxy's Edge opened mm-hmm. on the 29th, right. and we had we had uh, uh, tonight brand new episode of Salacious Crumbs dropped. And we had some details about the, the Galaxy's Edge opening, and Harrison Ford was there. Mm-hmm. They actually right. got him to attend. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder how much they paid him. A couple of three bucks. How much they threatened him. <laughs> well, and when they kicked off the, when they turned on the Millennium Falcon ride, mm-hmm. uh, they got him to do it. They said, you, you do it. And he says, Peter, this is for you. And I think that's right. probably why yeah. he was there to, to dedicate for Peter uh, Mayhew. At Mark Hamill was there, Billy D. Williams was there, George Lucas was there. They fire, you know, they kick all this stuff off. This is a big celebration to do, whatever. And at the screening for Secret Life of Pets Two, I believe, mm-hmm. they caught Harrison Ford on the red carpet because I guess he was there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's in the movie or not. I don't know. Um. I've seen the trailer, but I can't remember who they said was in it. I don't think they've said who's in it. Well, they, they show up the names uh, of the, do, do the, they? of the yeah. Of we the might voices. need to look that up. Um, um, but they they asked him about Indiana Jones Five, <laughs> and, and he said there was a fourth one. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we've we've said we've said why uh, the fourth one didn't work. It's because the monkey sequence went too long. If they trimmed 10 minutes out of that movie, it would be just fine. The 10 minutes at the end? <laughs> no. <laughs> the 10 minutes with the monkeys and the you kid. Sure it's not the good? swing. <laughs> well, see, uh, well, okay, look. If, if you stop and consider you, you stop and consider the logic that, that George Lucas used I, on what kind of movie he wanted to I, make. I, and I understand that. Um, I think that for, for uh, many, many fans, it was a... Harrison Ford is in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I think for a lot of fans, it was a bridge too far when you are looking at the magic-based, mysticism-based first three films. Sure. Aliens aren't, are, are way too much of a stretch after we've dealt with magic and immortality. Right. But there was also a certain, there's also a certain um, religious historical, <coughs> uh, religious history 
aspect to the first three films. Whether it's, yeah. I mean, certainly it's east, it's it's the uh, you know the more eastern of the second film, certainly the more more Judeo Christian of the first and the last film, or in in the first three films. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't necessarily have a problem with it as much as I just felt like, okay, I didn't need I didn't need to know Indiana Jones had a kid. I was there is fi- that. I was perfectly fine to him. I was perfectly fine for Indiana Jones to never have children. There is that because I, and but Hollywood at the time was trying to make a certain young man a star. But they did say, didn't they? Didn't they establish in Young Indiana Jones Chronicles that he had children, that he had a kid and, and family and grandchildren? And, and uh, he, you know, I think they, I think progeny. they did. But at the same time, it was just. I mean, the, there's something about making. It's, it's hard. It was turns out it's really, really hard to build the next generation into your story. Yeah, um, Star Trek: The Next Generation worked because uh, McCoy did a cameo. Well, and it wasn't. And here's, <laughs> next and, generation also worked because it wasn't anybody's son. It was another right. crew, another ship. It's eighty years later. You know. and yet, and yet, one of the films, the the weakest films in the in the next generation. Movies was generations where they brought they tried to have the two crews together and it's like you know putting putting your you and mm. your successor in the frame doesn't work all that well. No, we do it all week every week. <laughs> <laughs> but we, uh... I mean, my kid doesn't want it. I got to give it to somebody <laughs> when I die. And you're younger than I am, so I'm probably gonna go for you. Yes, old man. <laughs> You're going to beat me to half a century by <laughs> air. Yeah. <laughs> it's been better than some other people. I've got to beat him by ten, 10 years. Well, that's okay. She's going to keep you young. Yeah, Ish. I suppose. Younger. <clears throat> oh, I have longer. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. She makes you smile. That's a win. Uh, anyway, um, um, Next Generation worked. Because it was not trying to shoehorn in the son of Jim Kirk or, or whatever else. Right. And, and I think you're right. Having Hollywood was very much trying to make Shia LaBeouf a thing. And Spielberg thought there was something to this kid. And, yeah. and really, objectively speaking, there is. He's got talent. Right. He does have the ability to act and he can do a fairly decent job when he's given the right material and right. you know you don't let him have his head too much. But I think that you're running into a a, a situation similar to what you had with um Crispin Glover who Oh, this this kid's great. He's going places, and suddenly he's crazy, and mm. is making all these demands and making all these things. And I was like, oh, 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 oh. "Who are you? Where's the, where did you come from? And why why can't we have the other guy back?" And I think that's part of um, I think that's part of what happened with with Shia LaBeouf is. Maybe he got too big too fast. He was it was sure, suddenly right. he was everywhere. But Hollywood does this. I mean, Chris Pratt was in everything, 
mm-hmm. after after the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm-hmm. Benedict Cumberbatch was in everything. It, mm-hmm. it just it, it cycles through. I don't know who's going to be the next one. Oh yeah, it'll be. It'll but there be, will be one. Oh well, okay. I mean, actually, it's it's happened. You, you had uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in every kind of movie under the sun. You had Stallone did a lot of different things. Yeah, uh, they kept trying to make. I mean, Stallone can be very very funny, but they kept trying to put him into comedies that he did not belong in. I thought Tango and Cash was fun, but Tango and Cash works. Because you have Kurt Russell. Well, I th- yeah, there's that, but I think it's also I think it also works because Stallone pokes fun at himself mm-hmm. as the action hero in that movie. But I still say my favorite um, uh, my favorite Stallone film is the one that nobody has seen. It's the one where he plays like a Copland. Copland. Oh, it's Copland. Good. That's is an excellent so good. movie. And it's, I think it's 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 him so playing against type. Mm-hmm. And doing it so beautifully, and you're reminded periodically that the man actually is a talented actor. If you very give, intelligent, give him the right material, and and that doesn't necessarily mean the most popular material, because as right. for all, I'm not I'm not going to bash the the Rambo and Rocky movies. If you enjoy those things, great. I enjoy the the first and the the first Rocky and the most recent Rocky. I really really enjoyed. I and I think the Creed now the Creed spin offs are actually. Okay, when you, say, when you say the most recent Rocky, you're talking about Rocky Balboa, yeah. his, his last His last one. one. The, Creed, the, yeah. Creed films, the Creed films are a new story, and I think the, the Creed films actually work pretty well because they look treat it as an extension of the larger story of these people. Mm-hmm. And these people include everybody from Rocky, Rocky's family, Rocky's friends. And so the Creed films are not... We have to carry on, you know. We have to. We're not going to keep cracking out the cash cow. Yeah. They, they, they've done a really good job of of treating, you know, having a logical reason for this character to even exist, and to actually tell good stories. I think I think right. the Creed films are, are very well done. My Rocky Balboa, uh, the the was it the fifth one? The sixth? I think it's one? the fifth one. Yeah, Rocky Balboa for me is the is the favorite of all of that mm-hmm. set for me. Um, Nostalgia reasons for the first one for me. I think this is one of those things where it's like carved. It's like as much as uh, Empire Strikes Back is a better film than Star Wars, Mm -hmm. objectively speaking. Come at me, Internet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I will fight you. No, and and I think that that's a lot of people feel that way. There will always, Star Wars will always be. Yeah. You know the better uh, film in my, in my Rock, heart. Rocky, Rocky for me is is impressive in that the the backstory on how that film got made mm-hmm. always impresses me. But but in Rocky Balboa, there's two there's two standout scenes for me. Mm-hmm. The one is when he's going up in front of the boxing commission and makes his speech about. How dare you tell me I can't do it? Mm. You know, there's that speech. And then the other one is when he confronts his kid in the street outside the restaurant. And he says, all of this stuff to the kid, you know, it's not about how many times you get beat down. It's how many times you get back up. You know, and and that whole thing about how special his kid is, and and, and all this, and I'm thinking, that's ex- that's it exactly, that's it exactly, you know. And I've sent that speech, I've taken that clip, and I've sent that speech to my kid, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what I want to say to my kid because right. I want him to understand, yeah. And and I haven't done a very good job of it, uh, unfortunately. But you know, 
the younger generation just in general needs to understand that they have so much potential and they are so locked into this instant gratification mode of YouTube videos and cat videos and... What have you got against cat videos? You know, <laughs> give, me, give me, give me, give me now, now, now. They don't want to work for anything, but they haven't been taught well, I think that, that I think you, have to, you have to put in the effort. I think, I think that's, you know, we... <clears throat> certainly, they aren't the first generation to run into things like that. Um, and, and there's certainly a lot of the younger generation and it's always interesting discussing this, having this conversation with my ex-wife, uh, the day after my birthday where, you know, weren't we just the younger generation? Mm. Wasn't that just like mm -hmm. yesterday? Yeah. And, and certainly it's always the older generation that says, you know, you guys are, you guys aren't doing it right. Um, and they turn it around on this too. They have their they have their certainly justifiable complaints about the generations before them. Oh yeah, well. Um, however, um, I would say that um, that is a fantastic speech, and I think it's I think one of the things that I've been very lucky with with my kid is that um, there's never been any question. I think uh, that. She's aware that I, I really, you know, she's got an incredible amount of talent. Mm -hmm. I think she needs to do more of that, but she's doing something with it. She actually is. I mean, whether whether or not it's, it's as much as it should be, well, well, you know, that's I can't make that decision for her. Yep. On the other hand, mm -hmm. you know, I can take her out to, you know, expose her to to social things that she hasn't been exposed to, even though yep. she should get out in front of her get out of in front of her computer every now. And yes. Again. Well, and and <laughs> we just we just had a comment in the live hey. chat from Sonia. Hi, um, saying not all kids are like that. It's a low percentage. I I would submit. Well, I I will one. I will admit that I don't know what the percentages are as far as statistics go. Sure, right. But I will also submit that uh, a friend of mine, uh, a high school classmate, uh, went on to get her degree in psychology. She is uh, she's an, uh, an associate professor of psychology out at San Diego State University. Mm. Dr. Jean Twenge, and she has been studying what she calls iGen. This is, and we've talked about this before on this show. This is the generation younger than baby boomers, mm. millennials, younger, almost younger than the millennials. These are the people who have been wired into the internet from birth. Right. They've been given a a a. a device when they were three years old mm -hmm. and and this is their this is their babysitter this is their best friend this is their comfort food this is their security blanket all this sure. other stuff and the statistics show according to her research more incidents of mental health issues depression suicide self-esteem issues because they are so wired for instant gratification because I can just click and get it. In fairness, in fairness to those kids, though, and and also you know acknowledging what what Sonia's saying there, that's not just the kids' fault. Oh no, that's no, a, no way. And I'm not saying a, it is. That's it's a, a parental that's, thing that's too. That's a parental thing too. And and I think that some of that, and and I think that we're fairly lucky when you think about how parenting and being a child, growing up as a child, has changed dramatically in the mm. last hundred years. Yeah. 
the life expectancy of children, for one thing, most of them make it to adulthood. If they, <laughs> yeah. the you look at you look at the death rate mm-hmm. in, uh, for children in the early part of the 20th century, and that was doing pretty good in the early part of the 20th century compared yeah. to the previous centuries. So. It's it's an issue. I'm not. I'm and as somebody who deals, you know, we've talked about depression on the show too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's these are all very important things and very critical things. But I also think that the kids today have kids today. God, I, I it sounds, sounds so much like an old man when I say that. But the thing is, and, and I count myself to some degree as a kid today because this stuff came along when I was still young, when we were both young enough to sit there and go, "This is not culture shock. This is ooh, let's see how this yeah. thing works." So. The advantages that they have in terms of knowledge and access to knowledge and access to things, that is really kind of amazing. It does mean that things are how we think about we how we interact with this stuff is going to change. But again, remember that when television came out, there were plenty of people who sat there and said, it's going to rot your brain. Radio. Radio was going to destroy the world. I know. I know, and television was going to destroy radio and movies, and uh, yeah, and, well, the you movies. always have this. Yeah, and so it's it's but, we, we adjust and we adapt and we become something new. When that's I the question, is but where I don't recall, and and honestly, I don't even know if anybody's made any studies on this or not. But the effect that I mean, they they have actually had studies, and and Gene's been looking at this quite a bit at the effect of well said, Tim. The effect on brain chemistry and neuro neuro functions that being being wired twenty four seven the internet it's def- changes how your brain develops. I'm sure it does. In fact, I have, I have no question that it does because it's all input. It's all input and development. But I'll tell you what. Until I'm, um, this is this is this, uh, this is this is my preachy moment, and I'm gonna I'm gonna apologize in advance for that. <laughs> um, but it's also true because we still deal with childhood um, uh, kids who are hungry, mm-hmm. and study after study after study has shown that basic nutrition. Uh, kids not getting basic nutrition will do tons of neurological damage because their brains won't develop properly. Oh, no period. question. No question. So I'm going to I'm going to be less worried about the 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 feed in the the input through the internet versus the kids who are eating properly. And and I mean, and I don't mean just like they're not eating too much junk food. I mean they're eating well, enough. Well, and, and I'm not and I'm not implying you know I mean? that one is one is more. No, no, of an no. Issue and neither, and neither am I. I, I neither am I. I. But I think that that's it's a. Sometimes I have to remind myself uh, again. It's one of those things about getting older that you have to remind yourself that perspective. The perspective shifts, and my the thing that is bothering me today. Uh-huh. Um, might just be the thing that is bothering me today. <laughs> is it? I have been told that you and I need to cosplay as Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> I am. I love that. I absolutely love that. Which one of us is which? Uh, Can we know, trade off? <laughs> I, you know, as long as somebody else is Fozzie Bear, we can heckle them. I was Super Grover once for Halloween <laughs> when I was a kid. I what? You, well, you know what we? Should my do? mom made me a Super Grover costume. It was amazing. What we should do is we should um, once once we moved in once once I'm that. once I'm into the new bunker. Yeah, yeah. 
we should do some we should do some promos out on the lawn <laughs> out on the new lawn because we're gonna have a lawn it's a it's a it's a good sized lawn I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to hit it with a riding mower it's that kind of a lawn and this is why I like apartment living <laughs> although I honest I miss, I miss having I miss having a backyard because I, I I have cat you can come I, over and mow, mow mine I, I didn't say I missed it that much <laughs> I have a cat and and I I love having cats but I, I also have had dogs in my past and I just I just don't want I don't want to put a dog in my apartment mm-hmm. I just it's yeah. I want a dog to have a yard yeah yeah and the crazy dog across the hall I'm pretty sure that's one of the reasons he's crazy. Crazy dog over there. The crazy dog across the hall is about 10 times larger than that little dog. Oh, I, I feel sorry for that. So, if it was a little dog, if it was a cat-sized dog, I wouldn't worry so much. But a big dog, I this don't know. And, I, and I've, I've told Tim this story. This one over here, junior office dog. Who tried? Last, who tried to eat me when I came in the door? Last. Time. Oh yeah, she's she just went to town on you. <laughs> she was like, you know. <laughs> stranger danger, man. <laughs> was, I heard. All right, I, I heard her all the way outside. Yeah. Uh, she was. She senior, was gonna senior office dog up. is like, hi, how are you? Pet me. <laughs> yeah. Junior office dog is like, <laughs> who, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Run away! Oh, she not run away. She's like but right junior, in my face. Junior office dog last Thursday morning. Wakes me up, poking me in the shoulder. Poke, 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 mm. poke, poke in the shoulder. And I wake up and I turn over and she's standing over me, looking all frantic. What? What do you want? What do you want? Because I look over at the at the clock and it's and it's ten minutes till four a.m. <laughs> I do not need to get up at four a.m. So I asked her, I don't you know. Do you need to go outside? She's just standing there, still looking frantic. Poke, poke, poke. What do you want? Well, <coughs> she noses down to the covers and kind of like, let me in. She wants to burrow under the covers at four o'clock in the morning. Woke me up out of a dead sleep simply to burrow under the comforter, the, the covers on the bed. It's it's what happens when you are a tiny dog with no opposable thumbs. Well, miniature pinchers apparently are burrowers. This right. is something uh, Mindy and I have talked about because Mindy had a, a miniature pincher when she was younger, mm-hmm. uh, and this is this is something in the breed mm-hmm. that they do this. And so we're trying. I'm I'm trying to. There's, you know, there's a blanket over there. Mm-hmm. Do right there. But no, four o'clock in the morning. I want under there, <laughs> please. Little dogs with no opposable thumbs, which is a terrifying thought if you think about it. If our if our cats and dogs had opposable thumbs, oh, if thumbs, they could use tools, we would be just so gone. All right, speaking of gone, we need to be gone. It is over. <laughs> it is past. Oh wow, it is almost nine thirty. We've been going for an hour and a half, and we haven't said much. Not the first time. <laughs> won't no, be not. the last. But we did allow for that this time, in that we said our topic tonight was just going to be a bunch of random stuff. Yeah, right. And it was next week. Who knows what we'll talk. About. Um, actually, now to think about it, next week might be a weird, might be a weird thing, because Monday I'll be traveling. I'll be coming back from Dallas. We're going to do it later in the week. Might have to. Um, week, there are a couple of new TV shows we could talk about. Um, of course, Mindy and I, you and I talked about Mindy and I talking about Good Omens. Yes. Uh, because the Amazon series has, is out. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I completely view it, came out on my birthday, and I completely view it as Amazon's direct gift to me. Happy birthday. And the rest of you all got to enjoy it alongside me, well, and you see, cannot tell me otherwise. <laughs> it's that, my it's own that, head it's that birthday practice, which apparently when you have a birthday, everybody else gets gifts. Yeah. See, I don't remember mm-hmm. doing this when I was a kid. <laughs> I don't remember. Wait, if, if it's my birthday... I get the gifts. I don't give the gifts to my guests. I don't ever remember doing this. No, we wouldn't do that either. Um, but so that's that's out. And we'll have Mindy and I want to because I I come from reading the book when it was new, mm-hmm. and she's and, just finished listening to the audiobook. Right. So we have we have a, so a couple of neat perspectives on on the miniseries. Um, there is a new. Swamp Thing has just premiered. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched the first episode of that. I haven't seen it yet. Um, there is a lot of interesting... Uh, the Nosferatu. Um, I've seen promos new, for that. The new uh, Joe Hill series mm-hmm. uh, is is just started up. It started it uh, premiered last night. Yeah. Um, and so... Or tonight. Whatever. One of these... But anyway, it's brand it's new. Out. There's new... There's a lot of new genre stuff coming out. Uh, uh, the Rook is coming out the end of June, which is Not the, the adaptation of the British. Uh, I'm sorry, um, the uh, author is actually Australian, um, but it's a British-based spy series, except the spies have powers, oh. and um, it's a uh, the main character wakes up on a bridge with no memory, like surrounded by dead bodies. Sure, and things happen and it's it's not a straight adaptation of the book uh there's some very noticeable changes but it also is something that a lot of fans of the books are excited about because it could be a lot of fun yeah. miranda richardson is in it um i think it's miranda richardson and um uh, yeah it's a fantastic cast so looking forward to that that comes up at the end of this month okay, there's I'm, all sorts of neat stuff coming i'm up. gonna go around to the all right remind people about us Yes, our sponsor is SuperheroStuff.com. We definitely encourage you to check out the selection of genre things that they have available for your particular fandoms. Uh, and they offer a discount, 10% off, if you put in Superhero Stuff. I'm sorry, at SuperheroStuff.com. If you put in Sci-Fi for me 10, you can save 10% off the total purchase. And that includes most sale prices. Uh, they're a fantastic sponsor. We are very, very happy to have them. Please support them as well. As always, we'd like to thank you folks for listening, and if you are watching this live, thank you for watching. You can also watch, catch us uh, recorded episodes on YouTube, um, podcast.com, iTunes, uh, especially listen to us on iTunes so we can see some numbers happen before the, before the iTunes goes away. Well, and the other thing, too, is, is uh, we'll make this, this programming note that uh, over the weekend, uh, my... my uh, Chillin' with Pineapple that I did mm-hmm. uh, last yeah. night is our 1,000th video. Hey. We've got over now, – and now with Salacious Crumbs and now with this video, we are over 1,000. We have 1,000-plus 1, videos for people to watch. We get a cookie, don't we? I mean, that's, that's, isn't, that the, isn't that the award at 1,000 is they give you a cookie? I'm not sure who I, they are, but I someone 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 are. should bring us a cookie. Yeah, at one thousand at one thousand videos, we should get three thousand more subscribers. Right? Hey, I like that, right? I like that. Is that I how that works? Too. All right. Thank you, folks, so much for watching and listening to us. We appreciate it, and we will be back next week with more H2O. And I am Timothy Harvey. And I'm Jason. Hunt. Thank you, guys, for watching. All right.
This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2019 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.